All right, what's up, guys? Thank you for joining the channel today. I'm excited. This is a special one today. We've had a couple interviews on this show. Uh, good mix of old school, middle school, new school, future school, maybe. Um, but we have uh, one of my personal favorite old school legends. Uh, we have Lex Vandenberg today, who, of course, played in uh, Survivor Africa, Survivor All-Stars. Uh, so, Lex, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. How's your, uh, how's your summer been so far? Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, it's been, you know, it's it's been about as good as you can expect a summer under kind of pandemic circumstances to be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not not the greatest summer, but um, and it and it's sound. It, it it seems that we're we're in for a bit of a uh, shit show version 2.0 here with with the the variants and whatnot. But but it's been pretty good. I mean, I can't I can't really complain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, how was how was uh, the quarantine and the crap show 1.0 for you guys? Oh my, well, I mean, it's, it feels like it's feels like it's been forever. It's been what are we? Yeah. I think we're on about a year and a half now. Uh -huh. Um, and uh, and I, you know, I I didn't really, you know, a lot of people kind of pushed, they pushed the pause button on on lockdown. Um, I didn't really do that because my wife is super high risk. Um, mm -hmm. she's a uh, she had a kidney transplant about four years ago and. Uh, she got vaccinated, but the vaccines were had zero uh, effectiveness on her, so she's completely uh, still at risk. So we've just we we've kind of never we never really got out of lockdown here. Um, so you know it's uh, but I mean it's the, the alternative is is a lot worse. You know I've I've actually I've lost I've lost a, a few friends and and a family member to COVID. So um, I know it's no joke. And mm -hmm. if I've got to lock down for another couple years. That's that definitely beats, you know, losing people or losing losing your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah. We'll try to uh, um, stay on the stay on the fun side because I want to dive into some some cool Survivor stuff that I know people are excited to hear. Um, I know you've done a lot of podcasts, especially uh, over the last uh, year or so. I feel like I've been seeing you uh, pop up more and more on, on YouTube and whatnot. So um, we're going to try to, our goal here today was to try to, you know, talk to you and ask questions that you, uh, you know, haven't heard a million times at this point. Um, so I guess let's dive right into uh, Boston Rob and All-Stars. No, joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can start. That's that's cool. If you want to start there, that's, I'm not scared. Well, I wanted to ask because um, I find it interesting. You know, CBS still has everyone's like original bios that they had back in, you know, wherever their season aired up. Uh, so I was trying to dig through yours. You're one of those guys that had like a bunch of things on there. Some people, it's just like, you know, they're they, they're a biker or they're uh, but you're one of those guys that had like a million things which is cool so i wanted to focus on one that i thought was super interesting um because i'm a beginner so i can't i'm not gonna have a full conversation with you here but i'm slowly learning french are you still fluent in french and if so i have a question in french to ask you <laughs> I, I'm I'm still relatively fluent. I think I don't I don't get to use it all the time. But um, you know, little known fact, um, I learned I, I knew I learned how to speak French before I learned how to speak English. So wow. um, my uh, my I'm, I'm first generation American. My my parents are both Belgian, and hmm. they uh, they immigrated here to the states um, just before I was born. Um, and so when I was raised, um, the only the only language in the house. Now they spoke English just fine, but the only language they spoke in the house 
when I grew up was French. So I was I, I spoke French fluently as a kid and I learned I learned English just out in the neighborhood with the kids. You know, I, I learned my English mm -hmm. from the neighborhood kids and when I started school. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, up until up until I, I moved out, it was like the house rule in, in, in my parents' house because they wanted me to be bilingual. The mm -hmm. house rule was you don't speak English in the house. Now, huh. I mean, that, that didn't always bode so well. I, some, sometimes I just wanted to speak English because I was like, look, I'm American. I want to speak English. And my parents would say, nope, I don't understand what you're saying. And, and they would just turn their backs and I'd have to speak in French. And sometimes I said, fine, I'm not going to talk to you for a couple of days. <laughs> but, um, but I, you know, I, I, yeah, I think I'm, I, I, I still feel fairly fluent. Hit me. Okay, so here's my question. And like I said, I'm still a beginner, so the pronunciation might not be 100% there. but the, the That's all good. I won't, I won't judge. <laughs> the question is, and I'm, I also have a, for, the, for the, uh, our, our few non-French speaking audience, I'm going to have a ticker <laughs> running at the bottom for the translation so they understand. And you can answer <laughs> the question in English or, Fran and, or French. It's up to you. But the question okay. is, j'aurais-vous à nouveau? J'aurais-vous à nouveau? Ah, oui. Uh, probablement, oui. Uh, mais on ne on, on, on sait jamais. On, on va I know voir. what we means. <laughs> I heard oui. On, on va voir. Peut-être on va voir. Um, I mean, basically, I just said, um, you never know. I, yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um for those who were uh, didn't follow that, the question was, "Would you play again?" And the answer was an astounding "we." A pretty <laughs> firm, a pretty firm "we" is what I'm walking away with. Um, Good. Uh, so to to, to 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 sort of bridge it to Survivor here, um, I wanted to ask. Um, you know, I think it's I think any true Survivor fan, someone that's been there from the beginning, someone who's gone back and rewatched, because uh, nowadays there's all different types of Survivor fans. Did you just get into it recently? Did you, you know, start and stop? And but uh, I feel like the people that know old school well know the the sort of impact you had on the game itself. I feel like I was just talking to Gideon before this, and I feel like you were maybe the first person to bring like like bring to crank it up to a hundred on like every stage of the game, you know, hatch really cranked it up to a hundred on, uh, you know, the mental side and like Colby cranked it up to a hundred on the, you know, the physical side and the challenges. But I feel like you were maybe the first player to really just give it your all with like every aspect of the game. So I think it's, it's no question the impact you had on the game itself, but I'm curious, have you ever thought of, um, the impact you had on just um, like American or maybe even beyond American culture itself, because I, you know, so many people were watching this show. I mean, over a hundred million for the first couple seasons, people around the world. And, you know, I feel like people like Hatch and Rudy's relationship, that was something that went beyond survivor that just impacted, uh, you know, uh, I feel like we just, as a society, maybe opened up to, I'm not saying Hatch completely had the shift in just openness to accepting gay people as, as, as friends, but I feel like it, it definitely helped lead the way. And I feel like back in those times when you saw someone who was like younger and like a musician, like rock music, had piercings and tattoos, wore a certain type of clothes, you it was one of those type of persons where you initially had 
an opinion on that person. I feel like you maybe changed people's opinions because they saw how you know nice of a guy you were, how family oriented you were, how you opened up to people from all different walks of life. So I'm wondering, like, have you ever thought of your impact not only on the game but just on like culture and on the society itself? I mean, I I, I guess I don't I don't really I feel like if I thought about things in those terms, it would it would be um, it would be a little egotistical um mm -hmm. but i mean to hear you to hear you describe that i mean i could it's certainly something i i can i can maybe consider and honestly if i did if i did have any kind of positive impact on 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 culture or on people's perceptions then honestly i would think that was really cool and i'd feel super fortunate and honored that i was able to you know move people's kind of perceptions and minds in a in a positive direction i mean I, I know that you know it's 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 interesting it's i mean it's been a long time since i played africa it was, it's been 20 years it was 20 years last month um yes it also you know when you think about it it hasn't been that long i mean 20 years is not to me the, the world has changed in some pretty significant ways in 20 years and and when i think about kind of what you know what our culture was and uh just just only 20 years ago like you said i mean there really hadn't been um it was i, I was without even trying to to do it i was kind of um i was in uncharted waters and i was forging mm -hmm. a little bit of new territory and new ground in that really up until that point you know heavily tattooed people um hadn't really been featured much on television at all. And except, you know, if, if there was a part for, you know, a prison convict or a bike, <laughs> a, a biker or a gangbanger right. or, you know, these kinds of like really sort of sh shallow negative kind of roles. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and back then, you know, it's hard to imagine nowadays because I mean, you know, shit, lawyers and doctors have full sleeve tattoos now. So it's right. not a weird thing, but 20 years ago, it was re it was considered a really, a really weird kind of fringe culture thing. And, and most of the associations that ordinary people, you know, just Joe America, um, the, the associations that people had with heavily tattooed people were, um, you know, these people were freaks or they were criminals or they were dangerous, or there were people that if you saw them walking on your side of the street, you'd go to the other side of the street. So, um, I know I'm, I'm sure if, 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 even if it didn't have any kind of cultural impact, I'm sure the people watching it, it was probably a surprise at first. Um, mm -hmm. I think I was, I think it was unexpected back then. Nowadays people, I think that, you know, there's a whole new generation of, of young people that weren't even born when I did survivor Africa that are watching it now. Um, right. Um, and you know i mean be, because of the you know the miracle of streaming and netflix and hulu and paramount plus and everything else and so all of a sudden now our seasons our old school seasons have become kind of brand new and relevant again mm -hmm. um whereas for a while there i just thought you know they would just kind of disappear into obscurity but i guarantee you that young people watching my season now they're they're not thinking well that's so weird that this tattooed guy is actually a nice guy and he loves his wife and he has kids i don't think anyone's thinking that now but back mm -hmm. then people were like fuck look at this freak i bet I, this is the guy that he, you know if this guy had kids he'd probably eat his young 
Um, maybe, maybe not, maybe not quite to that extent, but I think that people probably back then, most people responded like, Oh my God, that guy is, I, that guy's going to be a danger to everyone on, on the tribe. You know, I wouldn't trust that guy. I would not sleep. I, w- I would sleep with one eye open if I, if I had that guy in my tribe. And, um, so, and you know, it's, it's, to me, it, it, I always found it really strange that, um, that you, that especially the way that they cast reality TV people, it's like they they like to put people in a box, you mm-hmm. know, they're like, okay, you're going to be the all American kind of athlete. You're going to be, um, the, the scheming sinister kind of villain. And, you know, they, these are so one, these are such one dimensional kind of characters, but that's kind of how, at least back then they cast reality people because, mm-hmm. and I think, Adam, I think we may have talked about this one of the times that you and I spoke, but um, I almost, I, I was really honestly um, not supposed to be on Survivor. Um, I got, I got all the way through the casting process to the very end where I spent about two weeks in a hotel with Lynn Spillman and Mark Burnett and Probst and at the end of my stay there, they 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 were going to send me home, and I was not going to be on the show. Lynn Spillman didn't want me on the show. Burnett didn't didn't really want me on the show. Probst was kind of, I think, on the fence. Um, but they they thought that I was too. They thought I was too complicated for an American <laughs> TV audience. They thought that Americans wouldn't understand this like tattooed guy, you know. Because originally, I think the attraction was okay. This guy could be our villain. He's clearly super intense guy. He's pathologically competitive. He looks mm-hmm. like a like an absolute freak show. But then they got to know me better, and they they put me through the psychological profiling. They did more. They did more research on me and discovered okay, this guy's been married for a long time. He's got kids. He's a he's like actually he's college graduate. He's articulate, and they're like, you know, he's he makes good friends with everybody. He gets along with everybody, and they're like, yeah, this doesn't this doesn't add up. It's just too much, right? People are not going to get it. And so they, they were going to send me home and I'm going to turn my phone off. I apologize for that. Um, so they were going to send me home because they just didn't think, they didn't think I was a good fit. They didn't think I would be a good survivor contestant that I was just, I was too much. Um, and, and long story short, um, my casting girl, I told her that they were sending me home. She pulled in like a last minute, like hail Mary favor with, uh, with Lynn mm-hmm. Spillman, who was her boss. Lynn Spillman used to be the executive casting director for survivor. And she mm-hmm. called Lynn Spillman and said, you know, Hey, I hear you're sending my guy Lex home. Um, I just want him to have one chance. I know that the one thing he hasn't done is he hasn't gone to CBS in the boardroom and met with Les Moonves and the other executives at CBS. That's the only stage he hasn't hit. I just want him to have that one chance. Mm. And, um, and if, if at that point, you know, if Moonves, cause Moonves kind of had it back then, he was the CEO of Viacom and CBS. Mm. Moonves had the last word. Moonves, his word, cause he's, he was, you know, all the money came from CBS, right? You can't shoot mm-hmm. Survivor without CBS bankrolling it. So Moonves, you know, Burnett was the executive producer, but if Moonves didn't want somebody that Burnett wanted or vice versa, Moonves had the the final word. Mm -hmm. So um, Lynn Spillman, uh, luckily for me, Lynn Spillman told my casting girl, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give him one more day and tomorrow we'll have him meet with the CBS executives. And so I went there, Mm -hmm. met with the CBS executives. Um, I knew exactly what I was going to say. I didn't even give, 
them a chance to ask me any questions. I told them how I was going to kick everyone's ass and no one was going to see me coming because they were going <laughs> to, they were going to prejudge me there. You know, uh -huh. they were going to, their bias was going to be their undoing. And I said, just, just like y'all, when I walked into this room, I saw y'all look me, look at me. I saw you look me up and down and I know what you're thinking. And that's why I could kick your ass as well in this game, because <laughs> you would, you would have all these preconceived notions and I would eat your lunch before you even knew that I was able to eat your lunch. Mm -hmm. And Moonves loved it. And he said, this guy's going to be on this season. And mm -hmm. Lynn Spillman said, well, I don't want him on this season. He says, I don't care. <laughs> you're going to put this, you're going to put this guy on because I think he's going to make good TV. So mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really long winded way of saying, you know, do I feel like I had this, like, <laughs> like I helped in this major kind of paradigm shift in cultural, you know, perceptions of people that are different, or I help people not judge a book by its cover. Um, that would be awesome. I would hope that I maybe had a tiny little bit of um, an impact, but uh, I don't know. But I do know that um, that uh, Survivor they they were they were themselves um, victims of that kind of narrow mindedness mm. that um, that is now that is now not nearly as much the case as it used to be twenty years ago. But even they didn't know what they had. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate the humble answer, but I personally think you're somewhat of a cultural trailblazer for our era. An icon. I'll, I'll take will. it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah. And that's a great point you made though. Like, like for me, I wasn't born until Thailand. So like, I, I, I didn't get to watch you live back then, but like, with me and a lot of the other younger generations re-watching it on Paramount and Netflix and Hulu and all this, it's like, no, they're not seeing that about you, you know? They're not, like, just seeing the tattoos and just assuming, oh, yeah, he has tattoos. He's going to be the villain. Like, no, but, like, it might have been that case 20 years ago. Um, something right. interesting that I kind of thought was that it's it's a famous YouTube video um, kind of blew up that was about your story and they labeled you an anti-hero. Do you I think saw that that's that accurate? I do. I do. I mean, I, I think that that's a really, really, you know, I hadn't really thought about it in, in those terms until I saw that video. And when I did it totally, it made total perfect sense to me. And, mm -hmm. and if, if, you know, and if I could, if I could wear any label with pride, it would probably be the anti-hero label mm -hmm. i mean i love yeah. everything about it it kind of it's kind of it's kind of who the kind of person i've been my whole life you know i've always as a kid i was i was a misfit um mm. you know oh i was always a misfit and as a as a young as a teenager and young adult i was i was a punk i was into punk rock which is all about kind of that sort of counterculture and um mm. questioning questioning authority and um not fitting into you know boxes or you know just you know basically doing things the way you want to do it and and for me the anti-hero label was it felt it, it felt it fit like an old t-shirt to me when i when i saw that video i thought yeah that that makes total sense because i'm definitely you know if if people if you were to ask most people and i never and for, for me and my wife and my my close friends they could never figure it out but if you were to ask most people that watch survivor africa especially back in the day would I be, would I fit in the hero or the villains category? Mm -hmm. It would universally be villain. Mm -hmm. And, and I never really understood that because I never, I really never perceived myself as a villain. It definitely wouldn't be hero either because to me, 
I mean, heroes to me are are kind of boring. <laughs> they're, 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 I think I think heroes are they're one note. They're they're ultimately pretty forgettable. Um, they're just they're just boring to me. Um, I think that people are way more complicated than than hero or villain. But mm-hmm. but I guess if you know, and I've always told people, mm-hmm. I'd much rather be remembered as a villain than just disappear into obscurity and be forgotten as a hero. Because most heroes. People don't really remember heroes. They really do remember villains are always more interesting and they're always more complicated and they're always a little bit more human. Um, but again, that that didn't feel like the like the right fit either. But anti-hero, anti-hero really felt like the right fit to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now I'm kind of hoping for heroes versus villains versus anti-heroes. I think that might be That's a the cool thing. One. Yeah, yeah. Like I was no, like, I don't think would... you could play on heroes versus villains because you wouldn't fit either. <laughs> that would be super interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the other things you mentioned um, that I wanted to touch on a little bit was, um, you know, how important, uh, you know, family was to you uh, when you were playing, which, again, is probably something that people wouldn't at least back then wouldn't think would be an important thing to you. Um, but, uh, you know, I eventually wanted to ask a, a question about, you know, Kelly and your kids, uh, River and Corbin. But for those who don't know, I believe there's um, a fifth member of your family. And that's, I did my research right. Is that Henry? <laughs> well, yeah, Henry, Henry's the newest member of the family. So um... what's his place in the family? But he's he's uh well, he's he's one of my dogs. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I've you know I've I think if you even go back to the old Survivor Africa, if they even have the the web page up, you know, where they had each of our bios and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think in my I list my family. I mean, you know, I think it says something about you know he's got a wife, two sons, I think two dogs and three cats or something like that. I've always been I've always been a you know a, a collector of critters. Um, I, I think, I think in my entire life since I was born, there's maybe only been a two year period when I was in college where I didn't have a dog. I've just, I've always had at least a dog. Um, since I married my wife, she introduced me to cats. I was not a cat guy before. Now I've got cats. I got dogs and Henry's our, Henry's our newest, um, family member. We got him. He just turned one last week. We got him about nine months ago. Um, and he's a, uh, He's a rescue dog. I always, all my animals are rescues. I just, uh, I, I love rescuing animals. There's, it's something that everyone I think who has a pet should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is a, as far as we can tell, he's, he's uh, half Siberian Husky and half pit bull. They, and, and I guess they call those pit skis. <laughs> <laughs> so he's our, he's our little blue eyed pit ski. Mm. Okay. Well, happy birthday, uh, Henry. <laughs> right. Um, I wanted to add, I know, uh, yeah, so to roll off of um, talking about family, uh, I think a perfect way to uh, describe that is, um, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, obviously everyone gets to bring, I don't know if it's the case now, but back then everyone gets to bring um, a luxury item. Um, you know, most people will bring in a clay brought, uh, you know, a golf club because he's a golfer. And it seems like every season someone brought like a deck of cards. Um, yeah. But uh, if I did my research right, I think you brought um, one of your kids' uh, baby shoes. Is I did. Right? I brought um, yeah, I brought I brought a, a very very tiny pair of Converse Chuck Taylors. That that okay. actually, it's the the one pair of shoes that both my kids learned to walk in. 
Um, and, and, and I mean, it was just, it was, it was bringing for me, it was like bringing a good luck charm and bringing something that, you know, that I could look at and, and, and just hold. And it would remind me of my, of my kids and my wife back home. Um, but you know, truth be told back then, uh, back when they had the luxury item and especially survivor Africa, cause I know that survivor Australia and Borneo, they kind of got away with quite a bit with this, with the luxury item. They, yeah. they actually allowed them to bring stuff that would be pretty useful whether it was colby's texan flag which yeah, yeah. which which could be a roof over your head and, and be the difference between being dry or being soaking wet um mm. and then some people did bring like decks of cards and stuff which are also you know when you think about it it's a really handy form of uh game currency in that um you brought something that helps entertain everybody so uh you know it, it makes you more valuable to the rest of the tribe and and it helps you know helps everyone kind of connect and, and burn time but when we did africa they they would not allow i mean the list of what they would not allow was infinitely longer than the list mm. of what they would allow and mm. it included no, no toiletries um no nothing that could be used for anything useful around camp and mm. it also for the most part it was like when you tried to say look i want deck of cards I, at one point i said i think i i threw out the idea i'd like to bring a yo-yo and and they said no that stuff nope nope that's not that's off the list i'm like, well why they're all it just is and <laughs> and basically they, they would just kind of um production just decided you know you'd have to keep giving them ideas and then once they you gave them an idea that they liked then they'd be like okay and so the rules were different kind of for everybody there wasn't mm. just there wasn't just one document where they'd send the same document to all the survivors and say, here are, here's the criteria of what makes, you know, what's a good or, you know, an acceptable or not acceptable luxury item. I mean, they did send us, there was a, a document or an email or something that said, you know, you can't bring toiletry, toiletry items, you can't bring useful items. But then when, when it really came down to it, when, when you would say, look, I've got, here are my four or five ideas, they would evaluate each on an individual basis. And, and at one, you know, in the beginning I said, here, here are four or five ideas I have. And they said, yep, none of those work for us. Um, come back with four or five more. <laughs> and then finally, you know, the baby shoes were in there and, you know, and I enjoyed bringing them, but it was, I was kind of running out of shit to shit to tell them I wanted to bring <laughs> because <laughs> they were just saying no to everything. Hmm. Interesting. Didn't y'all end up making y'all's own cards though? We did. We did. So, yeah. um, yeah, so we had, I'm trying to think what, where did the, I know that the, what we used to paint the cards was, um, was Kim Johnson's luxury item, which was, she brought paintbrushes and some paint. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, what we used for the paper, if I'm not mistaken, they had given each tribe, um, a, uh, kind of a survival manual. You know, it had all kinds of information about, you know, local wildlife, the, you know, the flora, the fauna, things, you know, handy tips and things, you know, information and also information about the area we were in, the tribes that, that were around there. Because if you if you remember, or you may not remember, back then, if there was a tie at tribal council, if two players got the same number of votes, yep. they would, and, and if... The, the, the first thing that would determine who went would be 
which of those two um, players had more votes cast against them, right? Mm -hmm. If you had, that's why it was such a big deal back then not to get votes cast against you because they all added up. And, and, you know, as you guys remember, I probably had more votes cast against me than anybody at the end of the, at the end of the season. So I, I had no, I had, you know, in a tie situation, I did not have a chance in hell, but mm -hmm. if, if the two people that tied did not have cast votes cast against them, or they had the same number of votes cast against them, there was a trivia quiz. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe that Dr. Dr. Carl Blancioni, that's how he got 86 yep. from the game. Um, he, he, there was a tie. And so all of the information that they would use or most of the information that they would use to, um, to, to come up with those questions came from this little book that they'd mm. given us. So we, we basically, um, we got so bored over, uh, on Baron that we, we tore these, uh, all this whole book up into 52 squares and, and we painted our own playing cards. Um, so we could play, we could play card games. And we also, when we had the, um, we won the, uh, I wasn't on the tribe at the time I was, I had been swapped out, but when, um, Baron won the, uh, the chicken coop the, with, with the three or four chickens, mm -hmm. um, we used Kim Johnson's paints and we painted a, a checkerboard <laughs> on the top of the chicken coop. Oh, and, okay. and then we, we painted rocks so that we'd have, you know, the right number of black rocks, white rocks, and we play checkers. And nobody, nobody could beat Big Tom at checkers. Yeah, he I was, remember that. I always thought that was so funny. He was an absolute fucking beast at checkers. <laughs> yeah. So paint out, or paint in, yo-yo out. That's right. Okay. Go okay. figure. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, uh... but... Yeah, I must say I don't see how you could use a yo-yo, but hey. Maybe I was then, gonna say maybe had... they were afraid you use the string for yeah, I don't some kind yeah, of survival kit, but you could do the same but, thing with shoelaces. I don't know. True, true. I don't yeah, I don't I don't know. And and then you know they said but they would they said no uh no toiletry items. But mm -hmm. um but Brandon brought uh chapstick. He brought what? Oh chapstick. Oh okay. Chapstick, huh. yeah. Which you could you could argue would help you because you, your your lips got really dry out in that hundred eighteen degree Kenyan you know heat, but yeah. he 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 had his chapstick. Well, chapstick mm -hmm. also so, doubles as sunscreen as well. Like it, it can, can although they yeah. they gave us sunscreen. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't we didn't none of us liked wearing it because it had um mixed into the sunscreen was DEET you know for uh, for the mosquitoes yeah. and and. It, if, if you guys know much about DEET, DEET is like corrosive. It's really, it's carcinogenic. It's really bad for you. And mm -hmm. if you, if you slather your body with DEET every day for 38, 39 days, um, you're going to have problems that are probably significantly worse than a sunburn. Yeah. Okay. So I just, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to put the, the sunscreen on. I, it just, you know, it's just reeked of like that pesticide. I just mm -hmm. didn't want it on me. Yeah, so by the end of the of your time, you had a pretty good tan, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, what's interesting is uh, it seems like whenever fans talk about like, oh, what's the worst weather condition or just over like overall condition season, um, it seems like the one that's brought up the most is uh, is Africa. 
um, you know, with dealing with the, the wildlife and just the, the heat it being inlands. Um, but the from water. what I understand, uh, I think I remember you, hearing you, you might've told this to me, um, a while back or something, but, um, is it true that you actually, uh, preferred Africa's conditions over, um, all stars with the, uh, with the I, I personally did. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, if, if, if the if the question is which which season was the hardest in terms mm -hmm. of like all the conditions, I mm -hmm. I would still I'd still fight tooth and nail and 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 claim that it was Africa. I, I think that's kind of undeniable. I don't think mm -hmm. there's been a season where there was such a threat to people's personal <laughs> safety and life um, from from the from the wildlife. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's been a season where people had to stay awake all night every night to keep a fire burning hot enough to keep the wildlife away so for basically for tom and i that meant we didn't sleep really for a month because everyone else on our tribe would claim that they were you know it, it became very clear very early on that we couldn't trust anyone else to watch the fire because they would just throw a bunch of logs on it and then we'd wake up and you know i would wake up in the middle of the night and the fire would be like embers and they'd be snoring and I'm like, you know, that's you're playing with our lives too. So Tom yeah. and I basically did not sleep uh, for over a month during during nighttime. We just we would get naps in during the day. So stuff like that. Um, the water I think made it extraordinarily <laughs> difficult. We had to drink, you know, basically shit water. You know, yeah. every, every you know every monkey, antelope, buffalo, elephant was shitting in our spring. So, um, you know, I think that that was, again, it's, it's a real hazard to your health. It's why I got so sick for so many months after survivor. Now, all that said, yeah, I think we had the harshest conditions, but the weather did not bother me much at all. Um, mm -hmm. I would have loved to have had water to swim in and be cool. And it would have been really nice. We, we were the only, I think the only season survivor ever that didn't have maybe Amazon. I don't know that, that, in the Amazon that they could actually swim in the, in the rivers that were around there because of crocodile. But, um, Africa, we had, we, there was no water to, we couldn't get in the water. We could get in like our puddle of spring water, but there was no swimming. There was no swimming, but honestly, the heat, I found it pretty bearable. It was a dry heat. Um, it was awful sometimes and it was really, uh, oppressive, but there's nothing, Weather-wise, I've never endured anything worse than the relentless monsoon-style rain in 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 uh, in, in Panama um, mm -hmm. for all, for all stars. It was absolutely horrendous, you know, to mm -hmm. be sitting there for sometimes three plus days without a break, and it would just rain constantly, day and night. You, you were soaked to the bone. There was nowhere to go. Half the time, I just I would just go into the ocean because it was warmer in in the water <laughs> um, than outside yeah. the water. And I would just sit there and I would just get prune. Everything would turn pruney on me because I'd be in the water for a few hours, you know, which isn't good either. But it that was miserable. That the weather conditions in the Pearl Islands for All Stars were absolutely fucking nightmarishly <laughs> dreadful. I. I still have PTSD with rain. I don't like being rained on to this day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like, I don't like being rained on. 
And I know it's only water, but I, it just makes me start to twitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it's that much, I'm sure it is a big bother. And we as fans, we only get to see a 45-minute show, you know, over the three days. So we don't know how bad it is. I'm sure when you said, like, no, nah, Africa weather-wise was better, a lot of people are probably like, what? But, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I challenge anybody, you know, get five or six of your friends and um, mm-hmm. and sit outside in a rainstorm. In, in your clothes, fully exposed all night, let's say for 10 hours and with, with ambient temperature. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be generous. Let's say ambient temperature, 70 degrees. And mm. you, you know, which is, doesn't sound terrible, but I guarantee you after 10 hours of sitting there with your teeth chattering, literally <laughs> hugging each other just to get a little bit of body warmth from from another person um yeah it's something you don't want to you don't want to do ever again <laughs> that, yeah. that part that part sucked yeah i mean when you really look at all stars like you can tell it just seems like everyone was always wet and like amber's hair was always and jerry's hair was always like soaked and boston <laughs> rob's black uh you know tank tire or whatever undershirt was always just like dripping and um yeah yeah i don't know if you guys huddled under trees a lot but um, we tried, but it's it, it was it was cold comfort. It didn't, you know. Nobody had a shelter that had a proper roof that didn't leak. It, everything mm-hmm. leaked, and plus, yeah. I mean, when it didn't leak, you know, the, sometimes the wind. It was like monsoon season, so sometimes okay. the rain would just literally it would fall sideways. So you know, <laughs> none of us had shelters with like walls. So you'd mm-hmm. just be sitting there, and the rain would be coming straight at you sideways. You're like, okay, yeah. whatever. I, you know. I give up. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least no one built a shelter into the sand for that season. Yeah, exactly. Like the an underwater, sh- an underground shelter. You know that that'd be great, right? Is that <laughs> Rupert? <laughs> Rupert. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. I think you're right. I think um, Amazon, you guys, and Guatemala. I think those are the three seasons where there was no water because right. Token Sheens was inland, but they had like. They had a couple lakes around their camp. I know Guatemala yeah. had water, but it was alligator infested. I think That's one right. of the uh, rewards, one of the rewards for Guatemala, yeah, was, was actually swimming. you got to swim in like a cage, a cage. <laughs> yeah, just so you could experience some water. So right, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask because it seems like uh, you know, obviously you didn't, you know, you played twice. Um, you know, came up short of becoming a winner in the two seasons. But, um, you know, I know you're still in touch. Not only are you in touch with a lot of people you played with, T-Bird, Big Tom, uh, the general, but, you know, not only are you in touch with them, but it seems like these have become uh, lifelong friends. And you've had, you know, you've had the opportunity to travel all over the world and do, you know, events and, you know, get recognition. And, you know, even though you didn't, you know, come in first place, um, on the game, do you still feel like uh, you know you won in a way? I mean, a hundred, a hundred percent. Um, it's it's funny because I, Tom and I were we talk about this on on the regular, but we were just talking about this. Uh, I think maybe last week, and we both we both just you know agreed again um, that a million dollars. I mean, by now, twenty years later, that million dollars pr- would probably be spent and gone. Right. I mean, because truth be told, it's it's not actually a million. It's about half a million after Uncle Sam gets his cut. 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, $500,000, I mean, that's like, that's a lot of money, but you know, 20 years is a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And I could tell you, I would have, I would have burned, you know, I would have burned a good portion of it, putting my son river through college. Cause All I right. put him through college and you know, it would have gone, it'd be gone. It'd probably be gone by now. Um, but you know what ain't those friendships and mm-hmm. those, those relationships, the connections that I've made with some of my friends from survivor are worth a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I, I, I might've made those friendships and connections if I'd won the million, but I don't look at life that way. To me, it's just like, you know, what, you know, I had this incredible experience that only a handful of people in the world have had to be able to play survivor. Um, and for me, the value that I gleaned from that experience was these incredible relationships and connections that I'll take to my grave. You know, I, you know, when I'm done with you guys here today, one of the things on my list to do today is I'm going to, I'm going to call the general because I, I call him at least once a week. And today's the day we're going to talk and I'm going to call, I'm going to call uh, big Tom and talk to him and his wife, Sandy. Cause I do that at least once a week, every week I call big Tom and I talk to him and we catch up and I talk sometimes I talk to his wife um, Sandy, or I talked to his, his dad, Poppy, um, you know, mm. these are, uh, and I've got, you know, I've got a, just a, a long list of people that, you know, that, that I just adore that are mm. like family to me, you know? Yeah. Who else do you keep in contact with on a, at least a, a semi-regular oh. basis? God, there, there are, there are really so many people, whether it's keeping in touch with them via social media or texting, or when I visit them, like, you know, um, Courtney, Courtney Yates. Uh, I, I see her whenever I'm in New York. I always, we always get together. Um, we keep in touch, you know, either via social media or text messages and whatnot, you know, when, when I'm not out there. Um, I mean, yesterday I, I actually had the, uh, the, the good fortune yesterday to meet for the first time and she was wonderful. I met sugar <laughs> for the first time yesterday. That, yeah. oh. She, was, she was actually, yeah, she was actually in my hometown doing a little event. And so, um, I got to meet her, but you know, the, the people, the, the list just, it goes on and on. I talked to Jerry Manthe on the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just so, so many people I talked to, I still talk to Ethan for sure. Mm-hmm. I talked to, um, Hunter Ellis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are just, there are, the, the list extends on and on and on. I've got so many good friends, um, that I will, that I'll, I'll treasure forever. And no amount of money um, can can stack up against that, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you feel like you won because of the friendships. Uh, do you also feel like you won because you might be the biggest robbed person on Survivor ever? <laughs> well, I know, that all depends on, on who you talk to. <laughs> some, some people would tell you that I'm the guy that made the biggest, most boneheaded idiot mistake in the history of Survivor. I'm, some people would say he's the guy that... He's the guy in the history of the game. No one ever threw their game away like he did. So that's really a matter of opinion. Um, I, I mean, I feel, uh, you know, it, I, I've learned. I've, I've, I mean, I've been around now for, you know, I'm 58 years old. I've been around for a long time, and and I, you know, and I've one of the things I've learned is that, you know, it's not the the world and life is not so binary that it's about winning and losing. Um, I mean, that's just such a simplistic way to look at life. It's like, if, you know, if you look at things a certain way, you could always be winning. You're winning all the time. And yeah, like I said, I I had, I was lucky enough to have this incredible experience. 
um, that only a tiny fraction of the world's population could have. So that makes, I think that's a win. Um, mm -hmm. I also, I can honestly say that um, with the exception of maybe, you know, trusting the wrong person on All-Stars, I can also say that I do not have a single regret. Um, mm -hmm. I played I played my games the way I wanted to play them. I wanted to be, you know, for better or worse, um, because of my own personal issues, I wanted to be in the driver's seat. Both games. I, I didn't mm -hmm. want to, I wasn't very good about sharing that power with anyone else, but that's just how I am. That's how I play. Um, and, and so, you know, I was the master of my own success and my own demise. And, and I, and, and I, I really appreciate and enjoy that. I would hate to feel that, um, that I lost the game because of something completely outside of my own control. Yeah. I'm the one, I'm the one who screwed myself over on all stars. And in Africa, I got as close as you can get. I just didn't close the deal on Africa. But I gave it, you know, no one, anyone who watched Africa would say, that guy, that guy was a, was a fucking monster. And he, he was, he had that motor cranked up to the red line and he had, he had the volume up to 11 from start to finish. He never slowed down. He never gave up. That's a win for me. Um, you know, I, 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 I I, I love the way that I played the game. Um, it wasn't, some would argue, it's, uh, it's not textbook the way that, ought, that the game ought to be played. It's not a perfect game, but it's my game. It's, it's just, it's the only way that I know how to play the game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm a very, I'm a very human and flawed person, like most of us are. Um, and, and I am, physically and mentally incapable of just kind of flipping a switch and saying, okay, now there's no, there's going to be no emotions. There's, you know, I'm, I can't do that. You know, I go into that game and, you know, I am what I, I am what I am. I can't, I can't change any of that. And, and I, and I like, I like that that's the way, you know, I feel comfortable that that's the way it went to me. That's a win too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Gideon, I was curious how much of, of the your your Rob point was mentioned was 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 aimed more at the uh, the the final piercing, four the, the yeah. piercing uh, controversy in in Africa. Oh yeah, yeah that that's what I, that's what I was talking ah, about. Ah, gotcha. That's because gotcha. I'm not kidding. Yeah. If you Oof. look on if you look on Survivor Reddit, there's like ten thousand <laughs> threads. I have one pulled up right here. The title is Lex is the biggest robbed person in Survivor ever. And then it like breaks well, down the whole situation. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I didn't I, I didn't I didn't understand at first that that's what you were talking about, but um in that regard, one hundred percent yes. Yes, yes. I will I will wear that crown. Um yeah, because I do believe it. I believe that I I got absolutely hosed out of the oh, win yeah. um and and if there is a very very good chance that if um if they hadn't screwed that up that that i would have been the one that that won right. africa so yeah um yes that that was a that was that was a tough pill to swallow at the time but um i just also again like the way that i you know, live my life I, I like to look forward not not back. And, um, and I knew that if I, if I tried to do anything like take CBS and, and survivor to court, it would, it would be pretty brutal. 
mm-hmm. and I know that that they would have they would have shown up with an army of lawyers, and I would have had one because that's you know I did not I did not have a lot of money back then. I had you know I had a mortgage, I had kids, my wife was a stay at home mom. I would have mm-hmm. I would have shown up to you know a gunfight with a pea shooter essentially. That would have been ugly. But also I'm just even if I could have won, that's just it's not how that's not how I am. I just um I figured you know everything I, I kind of go by the philosophy everything in life just everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um you know I'm not I'm I've never been a a man of faith. I'm not religious, but I do believe in kind of like the universe just things happen that you can't really explain and um and things do i think happen all all things happen for a reason and when mm-hmm. i really looked at, looked at that situation and looked at myself and really thought hard you know do i want to do i want to try to make that right um i just i didn't want to do it and it's not because i i wasn't up for the challenge or the hard work it just felt you know part of me wondered well was it really a mistake or was it maybe by design, um, mm-hmm. it, did production maybe want me really long in the game, but then didn't want me to win? I didn't mm-hmm. want to know the answer to that question, and I knew that um, if I really dug deep, I might find out what the answer was. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather I wanted I wanted to look back for the rest of my life on my survivor survivor experience and and look at it positively, and appreciate it and enjoy it, and I didn't want something to taint it. Um, and so, and it also, to me, it felt like I just didn't want to be a poor sport yeah. and, 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 you know, I love Ethan and I thought he mm-hmm. was, you know, he was a great winner. If now if Kim Johnson had won, I would have been pretty sore about that because I don't think she really did anything except for ride the three of us piggyback and actually yeah. the ride, the two of us, me and Ethan piggyback, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that, yeah, that, that would have been a tough nut to swallow, but I was, I was fine with Ethan winning. And, and I realized, you know, here's the other thing. I've never been a person who's motivated by money. Um, you know, for me, the, uh, there, you know, there, there are really th- three, maybe four reasons that people play survivor, you know, the money is often number one, the fame is often a close second. And then there's the adventure and the competition. And for me, the money and the fame were, didn't matter to me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, The fame I didn't want. I I just didn't want that. The money would have been great to get it, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, top priority for me, the adventure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a patholog, I'm a pathologically competitive person and the opportunity to be able to play a game and compete in arguably, you know, outside of maybe the Olympics, one of the most ultimate competitions and games in the world was just like, that's like, that's everything for me. I love that. So for me, it was all about testing my my medal in a game and competing to see if I'm better than everyone else or if I can stand, you know, stand on my own. And then just this adventure, you know, this adventure of being stranded and being living, you know, just bare bones like people did, you know, 10,000 years ago. I, 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 that had mass appeal to me, the money, not so much. So with that screw up in the final four in Africa, um, yeah, I mean, I, it was, it was a terrible, it was a terrible thing. And, and it left a, it made me feel really 
odd for a, a long time and it was mm -hmm. i it, it was a while before i was over it but um but i'm really glad that i that i handled it the way i did in terms of not mm -hmm. wanting not wanting to you know i just i put it behind me you know and yeah. and i just mm -hmm. I, I live my life with no regrets and that's including that it's like yeah what happened happened that's in the past um look forward yeah, yeah. i feel like uh i feel like you and the opportunity you and the opportunity to compete is almost like Popeye in his in his spinach. So it's cool that you uh, you know got the opportunity to do that. I wanted to just for the people watching, um, and I'm saying this just so people have context if they're not like super fans. So Lex, you can mute me if you don't want to run through the the, um, the history again. But just so just so everyone watching that doesn't know exactly what we're talking about in in the final four of Africa, the final four Muni challenge uh, was a trivia competition where you answer questions about other survivors um, and one of the questions was who does not have piercings i guess survivor production thought that there was one answer which was uh kelly but there was actually two answers because Lindsay also didn't have a piercing and lex answered Lindsay, which they deemed wrong which lost him the competition when in fact his answer was correct um and if lex had won that he would have had immunity um, could have potentially led to um, a win. So I believe Survivor, um, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows what uh, what all ended up going into it. But I just wanted to give context for the people that might not know. I didn't know about that till um, just this last year myself, and I've been watching yeah, it for same. a long time. I feel like they've maybe tried to hide that fact. Absolutely. Um, oh, big time, big time. Yeah. They. It yeah. was, uh, yeah, they, they wanted to bury that in the deepest, deepest hole yeah. and, you know, lock it up and throw away the key for sure. Yeah. Did, yeah. Don't, don't see that one popping up on too many uh, Survivor yeah. trivia. Um, I know. Uh, CBS sponsored Survivor and they trivia. Were, they were, frankly, they, they were terrified. Burnett and Probst especially were just flipping out. They thought that I was going to talk about it and go to the press. And, uh -huh. and, 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 and I never did. Yeah, I yeah. never. I, I've 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 done thousands of interviews with with different members of the media and the press. I've never. I just don't talk about it. I talk about it occasionally on these podcasts with people like mm -hmm. y'all who are fans. But um, mm -hmm. they 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 were they were convinced that I was gonna I was gonna go out and blow them up, and I didn't I didn't do that either. It would have been easy to do, but that's just not my style. Because I think that's yeah. that's that's just shitty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, I, I, I noticed that too, though, Adam, like it really like popped up and became popular like that situation uh, like a year ago, just because everybody was rewatching Survivor, you know, mm. and then Africa came back into relevancy and everybody was like, what's up with this Lex guy? Like I, I he should have won that, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the, the thing with uh, Survivor is with this like um, boost it's gotten recently with people going back and watching during COVID with all the eyes that winners at war got and with, um, you know, being on Netflix now, uh, now there's, you know, survivor Reddit. There's so many survivors, like survivor quotes on Twitter, survivor of the day. <laughs> there's a, there's a survivor. There's like three survivor wikias. So like everything that you could know, um, well, I mean, I'm sure the stuff that will as fans never know truly about the show, but it just feels like there's this whole wealth of knowledge to learn, um, about the show that I think, uh, there's becoming survivor scholars nowadays. And it's, just, it's, just such a, it's such a trip to me. Cause it's, um, it was, I mean, like we said, it was a, 
it was a hell of a long time ago that I played. It was uh-huh. 20. It was, I mean, we were just, Tom and I were talking about this recently because we, mm. we remembered that um, we all got on a plane to leave for Africa on the 4th of July in 2001. Yeah. So last month, 20 years ago, um, it's, it's just, bog- it blows my mind that people still talk about this stuff and that you, we're doing a podcast here 20 years later. It's like, you would think that I would have, I and, and my season would have long ago fallen into complete irrelevant, the fog of irrelevancy um, because it's, it's a million, it might as well be a million years ago T- in TV years. Like it's, it's a, it's a wonder that it's still, we're still relevant. It's still fresh these days. And, and it's funny because um, this is just a funny anecdote, you know, uh, pe- people, people just kind of, assume people that are watching now young people like you gideon are mm-hmm. like you you're, since you know before we had this conversation here you know your memory of me was as fresh as the memory of you you know getting up this morning out of bed was of me on survivor africa let's say or survivor all stars but it's been 20 years and um this is just a funny little anecdote so sugar posted some pictures of of her and i up on twitter i think yeah, um, hanging out, and and somebody, <laughs> and this has happened to me se- more than a few times. Um, somebody said, "My God, what happened to Lex? He's an old man. He looks so old." And I'm like, "Yep, yeah, you you know what? Um, time waits for no man. Time passes, and you know what? We all get old, fuckers. And you're, you know, y'all are gonna get old too. And yeah, my hair is gray now." Um, but I'm almost 60 years old. I just thought it was so funny that people like they, they can't believe like they think that if you were on a reality show that you're, you're forever timeless. frozen yeah. in time that you'll yeah. that you won't, won't age. That's not how it works, people. We all get old and one day everybody's going to get old. But I think it's just hilarious. And people are shocked. They're like, oh, my God, what happened to him? <laughs> you know, it's called mm-hmm. time. <laughs> yeah 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 when young saw, people are like shocked about uh, when young people are shocked about people aging from the tv show i think it's just because they don't keep in mind when watching the show that this took place 20 years ago <laughs> it's just so funny yeah, yeah. Oh. i saw you were wearing um a death grip shirt so uh Personally, I go, I go back and forth uh, between Money Store, Ex Military, and uh, No Love Deep Web. But oh, um, nice! What uh, what would you say is their their best album, or or at least which one have you played the most of theirs? I mean, I, mean, I, I, I guess my personal favorite would probably be Ex Military. I just mm. you know, I mean that was I'm pretty sure that was the that was the first yeah. first one that was the world was introduced to this like <laughs> fucking crazy kind of mishmash of hip hop and punk rock and you know industrial noise um it's just it's 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 madness but it's also super genius um and you know the uh the you know the lyrics are it's it's poetic it's poetry Mm -hmm. um and and i've you know i've long been a fan of zach hill um Mm -hmm. you don't hear you don't hear much of what kind of he does as a drummer on death grips but if you go back and you know listen to some of his other bands that guy is he's a he's mind blowing mind blowing in terms of his drumming he actually my my son who plays in a couple bands in San Francisco mm-hmm. my son knows knows Zach Hill and 
Mm. Um, and, and he says, you know, when you sit in a studio with him and just watch him doing what he does, it's just, yeah. so yeah, absolutely. I think it's cool that people, that there are people, cause I saw several people have commented on social media about me wearing that death grip shirt. And I'm, I'm stoked <laughs> that there's enough people out there that, that know about death grips. Cause I, they're pretty, I mean, they're, they're kind of obscure, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you seen them? Have you got a chance to see them live? I have not. I wish I had. My son has seen them several times, and he says mm -hmm. that that is just like it's berserk. Have you seen mm -hmm. them live? No, I haven't. Someday. Yeah, he he says it's just it's a, you have to you have to go in you have to constantly have situational awareness because anything can happen at a death grip show, and a lot of the stuff that can happen, you know, might result in a in a visit to the hospital because it's pretty fucking it's madness. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about River since you brought him up. Um, I know. Well, first, I know music it has a you know a big impact on your life. So I wanted to ask, like, you know, where does that come from? Um, and then going on to River, you know, how how you know is he? How much is he keeping up with it? You know, what has he been up to? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. um, I mean, you know, my I don't I don't know where I can't really trace back where my kind of just obsession with music came mm -hmm. from because my parents i didn't grow up in a musical house in fact mm -hmm. you know, my parents were the they were the ones they would either play classical music or they would play like muzak like you know really bad instrumental versions of like you know mm -hmm. back then in the 60s and 70s contemporary music it's pretty awful but <laughs> ever since like songs in french there were songs in french as well it was all basically <laughs> they played the stuff they played the stuff i never i didn't want to hear but as, as as far back as I can remember, as the tiniest kid, I remember always being super obsessed with music, um, rock and roll, uh, you know, when New Wave came around, when punk rock came around, I, I, I like jazz. I've always, I've always just had this massive appetite, this insatiable appetite for music. And when I was in high school, I wanted to play music, you know, and ever since then I've been in bands. It's just been, you know, it's 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 my creative outlet it's how i express myself as a creative person mm -hmm. um and you know it's music saved my life when i was in high school and i was you know a misfit and i didn't fit in i didn't have a lot of friends i would i would sit and i would just listen to al you know vinyl albums record after record after record with headphones on it was my salvation mm -hmm. um now when i had kids um they grew up they grew up in a very musical household you know, my, my, both my boys, Corbin and River, were exposed to music from the time they were in the womb onwards. And, you know, when they were babies, when they were toddlers, when they were kids, there was always music playing in the house. And it was always this kind of steady menu of like eclectic stuff all over the map, you know, because I like all sorts of music. And, um, and River, River was born with the bug as well. And, when he was, but by the time he was three years old, he said, you know, I want to start playing drums. So I said, okay, here's a drum set. Let's, let's do it. Then when he turned four, he said, I want to play guitar. So I got him a Fender guitar. When he was five, he said, I want to play, I want to learn how to play bass. I got him a Fender bass. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when he was in middle school, he said, I want to play trumpet. We got him a trumpet. Um, at this point now he plays, you know, at, at a high level, he plays drums, guitar, bass, trumpet, piano, viola. Um, <laughs> There's like not much he can't play, right? Mm -hmm. And and so he's been in bands. He started his first band when he was five. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, he played our lo- he played our local club here in Santa Cruz. A club, it's like it's like a big club. It it holds a couple thousand people. He had his first club gig there when he was, I want to say, seven or eight. Um, and mm-hmm. now he's you know he's twenty seven years old and he is an absolute monster on the drums. Uh-huh. Um, he's in a couple he's in a couple of bands. Um, one band is one band's called Pardoner. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually just came out with a uh, with with a, a new record. Um, yeah, I saw that. It's came down different, right? Yep, yep, came down different. They they put that out two months ago in May, um, so you can check that out. Um, they've gotten tons of really good press. I mean, they even got my dream of a lifetime. It never happened for me, but the only thing better than realizing your own dream is to see is to witness your your kid do it mm-hmm. and pull it off. They got a killer album review in rolling stone magazine i mean it's like mind-blowing right Mm -hmm. um and he's in another band it's a it's a a d beats punk rock band called discovery and actually right before pandemic um before pandemic hit what march 2020 um they had they had three tours booked they had like a they had like a six-week north american tour of like canada and the u.s they had like a month long European tour that was um, that, that was booked and they were in the process of booking a month long Japan tour and everything got canceled. So now he's just um, he's still recording. They're still putting albums out and they're waiting for the world to get safe again so that they can go out and, uh, and tour and just get back on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, during pandemic, they actually um, partner got uh, signed to a new label. Which, oh. um, which put out came, uh, was it came down different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they got signed to uh, Bar None Records out of out of New Jersey, and they've done really well well for the band so far. So he's he's doing really good. He's still living in San Francisco and still playing mm-hmm. music. And yeah, you ever you ever sub in for him on the drums? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I you know, I've been playing for a long time, but I can't, I don't hold a candle to my boy in terms in terms of he he is he's a hundred times the drummer i am but i mean i'm still playing i'm still playing in bands i'm i still play in three different bands um i play in a band called the maids of honor um that's kind of it's a rock and roll kind of rock punk um kind of melodic punk band um i play in a uh, in an instrumental surf band called fascinating creatures of the deep we actually just about a year before pandemic we we had a uh, we had a tour of italy so we spent a few wow. weeks out in Italy playing wow. playing shows out there. We played the largest surf music festival in the world um, in a place called Livorno, um, which is kind of up in Tuscany. And uh, so I, I still play with that band. I play with them. Now. We've we've actually got a bunch of gigs lined up now, and hopefully we're going to be able to play them. But it all depends on on COVID. Um, and then I play in a band out of San Francisco called the Lawn Vultures, and that's kind of a really fun eclectic uh cover band with um with a bunch of a bunch of different hot shot san francisco musicians that i'm just really fortunate to play with mm-hmm. well here's the thing gideon's a singer you have right. drums right behind you and i have a guitar right here <laughs> oh, why, aren't we having, why aren't we having a jam session right now <laughs> oh man have you ever considered joining uh, Coaches of the Dragons band? Uh, you know, I, I, if I got an invitation, I would jump at the opportunity. Who wouldn't? 
because they have the singer, they have a guitarist. The only thing they have a bassist. The only thing they're missing is a drummer. It seems like it's yeah. the perfect. They match. need the backbone. They need the backbone of the band, man. Do yeah, it. that's. See, I, I should have. I guarantee you, I would have been on that band if I was. If I was. If I played that season. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. But there's no antiheroes tribe, so you know. No, well, I, but it's 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 pretty much a foregone conclusion that if if they put me on on that, I I would have been a villain. I'm sure yeah. that you know when you've got someone like you know Jerry Manthe, who's she's an antihero as well. She's mm -hmm. not Jerry ain't a, Jerry was never a villain. She's an antihero. Uh -huh. So I would I, I'm I'm sure I would have been square square on that tribe with Jerry and Courtney. That would have been God. It would have been nice. Would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I also wanted to ask, uh, so I'm, uh, amongst other things, I'm a photographer. I actually just got um, a brand new uh, camera myself a couple weeks ago. I got a cool uh, Panasonic S1H. I'm excited to go out and nice. shoot some stuff here in, in New York. Um, I know that Corbin enjoys photography as well. I was curious, like, how did he get into that? And has he been uh, keeping up with it? And, you know, what's... What's yeah, no, he's yeah. My my boy Corbin's super super into um photography. It's uh it's mm -hmm. right now. It's really it's been for for a few years now. It's kind of been his his obsession. Mm -hmm. Um, he was kind of introduced to it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the day was that he decided to pick up a camera, but you know mm -hmm. he he kind of been exposed. Both my wife and I love to love to take photos as well. My my mm -hmm. wife's a great photographer. Um, okay. there was also you know for the last God almost. 10 years i've been working um at adobe so um i manage all of social media for photoshop and lightroom and lightroom is kind of the world's best post you know post editing yeah. software for photographers mm -hmm. so he he was i imagine he might have been exposed that way a bit but i know that um you know he he's just about finished with college now and um he initially kind of his focus was he studied graphic design um, and has mm -hmm. done quite well with that. But one of the, he took an elective course and it was a photography course. And I think he fell in love with it at that point. And so now he's getting another, he's majoring and he's getting another degree in photography because that's something oh, that wow. just really, that really, really turns him on. So awesome. um, yeah, he, uh, he, he shoots, he shoots with a, a really nice Fuji mirrorless on camera, he's got a couple of nice lenses, and um, he actually last last week he went on a he went on a day trip with his brother to um, Alcatraz and and took a bunch of photos at Alcatraz. So he wow. he loves he loves street photography. He loves taking photos of graffiti and architecture and whatnot. That's kind of the stuff that he likes the best. He loves nature photography as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's um it's a, it's a great hobby. I, Adam, you're I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna get it's a it's a great rabbit hole to you know to mm -hmm. get lost lost down because you can you can spend your whole life and still have stuff to learn yeah you know, which is which is i what i think is super cool and and the fact now that everybody's got a world-class camera in their pocket mm -hmm. you know with with the phones of today it's like you can take you can you can take brilliant photos with you know with this little tiny device that you put in your pocket can we find his photography online does he post yeah, stuff online yeah, He's um he's he's got both an Instagram and a Facebook page. Okay. So um, you can you can see yeah you can see his stuff on uh, on Instagram and on and on Facebook. Mm hmm. Very cool. No, check it out. Um, I know uh like like we were saying before I know that um, it's awesome that you consider yourself uh 
a winner because of, you know, sort of the experience, not only of the show itself, but of all the great things that have come uh, from the show. And I remember um, growing up, uh, I wish I could remember who taught me this lesson or where I heard it, but um, one lesson that like always stuck with me was that the, the most valuable currency is uh, experience. So I know that you've had, got to have some crazy fun things that 99% of the population just couldn't even fathom uh, having. I know I remember hearing one of the ones was um, the uh, trip you had in uh, South America with what Hunter and, um, the, and the general ones, yeah, the, the general. Yeah. Is there, yeah. Uh, is there like uh, maybe one or two experiences that have, that have sort of topped the list from you and your, your, post-Africa life? Oh my gosh. I mean, I've, I've, I've been so blessed and have had so many incredible experiences thanks mm -hmm. to, you know, my stint on Survivor, you know, that opened mm -hmm. up so many doors. I mean, just a couple, a couple that, you know, are worth mentioning. Um, there was a few years ago, probably, well, it was shortly after All Stars. Um, Tom and I were invited to, uh, to go out to, um, uh, to spend a month in Australia and New Zealand. And this was, you know, me and my best buddy, um, mm -hmm. all expenses paid, plus <laughs> a per diem, plus they paid us um, to go out there. And it was, you know, we did, we did a, a few events. We did like some viewing events with Q&A sessions, you know, for fans that would kind of come to a, a hall or whatnot and hang out with us, sign autographs and whatnot. There was, we did a, uh, I think in Auckland, New Zealand, we did it was before before comic-con but it was like a comic-con uh -huh. and so they uh, they hired us to you know to be at this comic-con event i think we i remember our uh, our our autograph table was sandwiched in between the guy that was he, he was one of the stars from the original battlestar galactica <laughs> and then on the other side of us was one of the main kids in the harry potter movies and this was back when the Harry Potter movies were out. It, it was the uh, the red haired red headed kid, Ron Rupert Grind. Yeah, yes. So oh. he was. You had Big Tom and me. You had this guy from Battlestar Galactica. Rich Rich Hatch was his is his real name actually. He was <laughs> Starbuck. Starbuck. Anyway, hmm. um, and then you had you had uh, Ron Weasley from <laughs> from from. Uh, uh, so that that I mean that that trip was incredible. You know, spending literally three weeks in in sydney and melbourne and then spending you know you know another week or two in new zealand with your best bro all expenses paid i mean it was just like <laughs> outrageous we were you know we had we had more fun than we giggled like schoolgirls the whole time <laughs> um i had another really really super interesting opportunity um i mean this is again one of many um when just after survivor vanuatu aired Mm -hmm. Um, you know, at that time I was one of, one of my sources of income. Cause I, after survivor Africa, I, I don't think I had a regular day job for about seven years. I just did all sorts of different things that were kind of because of survivor. So for seven mm -hmm. years, I supported my family on doing stuff like, you know, events, motivational speaking. I was a, I was a writer. So for mm -hmm. a number of years, I had my own, um, columns in, in a number of mm -hmm. magazines and, um, and newspapers. And so the Vanuatu tourist office, they, they'd been kind of following me and read, you know, reading a lot of the stuff that I was publishing. And they hit me up and asked me if, um, 
if I would be interested in spending a month in Vanuatu and basically going to all of their like four star resorts and writing reviews on them for mm. Air, Air Pacific magazine, you know, the, it's like the airline of Fiji. Yeah. Um, I think it's Air Pacific or is it Fiji Air? It was one of one of these. They were kind of bankrolling it with the Vanuat with the Vanuat Vanuatin government because mm. the Vanuatu government wanted more tourism. And so mm. and they thought this would be really interesting to have a survivor write, you know, come and stay in all of our resorts, write reviews of them right after or while Survivor Vanuatu is airing. And that's, you know, our time to shine in the sun, right? So I basically, again, all expenses paid. They flew me first class. And I spent a month staying in, like, resorts <laughs> that, that probably cost about $1,000 a night. And, and they, they wined me and dined me. They wanted me to have a really good time. Of course I did. Um, <laughs> so these are the kinds of opportunities. And then, like you, like you mentioned, you know, we also, I spent, I got to spend weeks in, um, in Peru, Ecuador, and Bolivia with Hunter and Rob DeCanio from Survivor Marquesas. And we mm. basically, we took groups of, survivor fans who wanted to go on adventure trips in South America, we would take, we would host them and we would get paid basically just to take these people on these incredible adventures in the Amazon and, mm. you know, in, in Peru. And we did, we hiked the Inca trail to Machu Picchu um, with, mm. with a, with a group of, a group of um, travelers and survivor fans, really super cool opportunities. I mean, the, 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 the opportunities, it, it was, it was, nuts against i feel so lucky that i was able to do all that kind of stuff you know yeah did you see the like what's that did you see the the h's at machu picchu the h's is is that the one where there's uh all the stone carved uh like in the shape of the letter h i don't Maybe um, I know that they that they have like probably some of the best stone carving like all of these stones that created this like city up in the up in the clouds you know up on this yeah. high high peak these stones you've never seen stones that fit so perfectly together like mm -hmm. you could not you could not slip a, a sheet of paper between any of those stones there's no <laughs> gaps it's it's like a a feat of an architectural feat that probably people could not. You replicate yeah. these days it's really it's it's very trippy it's very very cool yeah my dad is a big um ancient aliens watcher and he's uh, okay. a very big believer in in uh aliens haven't come to us in the past and uh, I, whenever I've, I've heard way stranger shit i i, I would <laughs> not doubt it well whenever i ask him like uh what's what's your strongest proof of evidence he refers back to Machu Picchu, and he's t he's like the only way these stones would have been carved is I guess they're so straight and they're so yeah. perfectly cut that yep. there's no tool that we can fathom would create. You know, he's like it, it, there's people that are like it, it had to have been some sort of laser technology, which obviously That's wasn't right. invented so thousands of years after. Yeah. So I mean, when you think about it, you know, they've been studying Machu Picchu for hundreds and hundreds of years. And you know we're 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 a pretty smart species, but we've got there's no explanation. Yeah. They can't explain it. They they can't. They don't have a, a a realistic explanation as to how that all became. You mm -hmm. know. So, 
Did you get any sort of uh, altitude sickness up there? My friend uh, Christian was just there last year, and he was there with a family, his family of twenty, I think, and he was said uh, every all nineteen except him uh, fell with altitude sickness because they didn't yep. want to take they didn't want to take the pills. Yeah. So, um, so I I actually it's, it's funny you should ask that. Um, out of all of us. I was the only one that got altitude sickness, and I'll tell you right now, oh. I don't, I don't think, I don't think I've ever been that sick in my entire life. Jeez. Um, and I, I didn't even really think, I didn't think to take the pills because mm -hmm. you know I had been at altitude many times in my life. What I didn't know is that just because they, they say that just because you've been at altitude and haven't gotten altitude sickness does not mean that you are somehow immune to altitude sickness mm -hmm. it can just happen even if you've done altitude a bunch of times i just yeah. didn't know that and i didn't bring any of the pills we um we landed in cusco which is already very very high um mm -hmm. i think we had two days in cusco so i had no time to acclimate and then um and then we started the it was almost a week-long hike to machu picchu altitude getting higher and higher and higher and um, I started to feel sick in Cusco. And I basically, the entire time I hiked, I was deathly ill. I mean, I, 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 I would constantly throw up. I had headaches. Oh I can't even God. describe, I can't even describe the headaches. It felt like somebody had their thumbs behind my eyeballs and were trying to push them out of my head. Oh. And I was, I was hallucinating. Like I had I had blurry vision, double vision, because the, the headaches were so terrible. And I remember there were times where I would hike, and the whole group, they'd be hiking at regular speed, and they would get to where we pitch camp each night. They would get there about four hours before I did, because I, I was so sick, I couldn't walk at that, at that speed. So mm -hmm. I just had my backpack on, and I remember just looking down at the trail. And sometimes the trail would only be about you know, a foot wide. And with yeah. a sheer drop, and I would just literally look at, I would look straight down at my feet and I would just put one foot in front of the other and just <laughs> slowly. And then I'd, I'd get there by the time, you know, they'd been there already probably since the afternoon. I'd get there right around supper time, you mm -hmm. know, when it was getting dark because it would take me way longer to walk than everyone else. It was miserable, but um, there were a couple doctors on our, in our group and mm. they had the pills. So, for me, it was just, it was a misery for the first two days of the hike because it took those pills a couple days mm. to, it took them a couple days to start working. Okay, and then after that, after that, it was of course a ton of fun and I felt, I felt fine. Um, but thank mm. God, thank God I had a couple doctors in our, in our group and they had extra medication or it would have been, would have been just a nightmare. Well, yeah, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Where no, is they, that? That's, that's not that's not Machu Picchu though, is it? I think it is. Yeah. Is it? I I didn't see that. Bolivia. Yeah, they they've eroded a little bit, but when they I think when they were initially discovered, it was they were almost perfectly straight. I mean, if you put a level up to up to those edges, it would the bubble would be right in the middle, and no one wow. can, no one can figure out. That's how awesome. That's possible. That is awesome. Yeah, if it's not Machu Picchu, it's somewhere in in Peru for sure. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, did you have any last questions before we bring this to the the climax to the part we've all been been waiting to talk about? 
Nah, let's let's go ahead, do it. All right. So, when people remember you from Survivor, of course, you know the diehards again will remember the uh, the final four mishap, or just you know you being probably the one who had the most uh, screen time or brought us the most joy and as far as gameplay goes in um, Africa. But I mean, obviously, if there's one thing that most Survivor fans uh, will remember you from. It's, of course, the infamous betrayal that had happened in uh, Survivor All-Stars. And I'm sure the the amount of times you've been asked this question, you probably can't even count with a calculator. But, uh, you know, looking back on the situation now with Rob and with Amber and with Odin Out Jerry and with Kathy, all the players involved in this, 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 this little story of ours um, – that all Survivor fans hold near and dear to their heart. Um, how do you kind of look back and, and, and see these events uh, now looking back, what, fit maybe 15, 16 uh, years yeah. later? I mean, it's, it is, it, it's all old news. It's, you know, it's, it's history at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, to be totally frank and honest, I was, I got over all of that when, when the, when the finale episode aired the live finale episode aired and was over on all stars i closed the book on that um Mm -hmm. i didn't think about it anymore after that um i was totally totally fine with it i you know at the end of the day i got i got beat fair and square um by somebody who was willing to use weapons or tools that i was not willing to use by definition that makes rob a better player because he's willing He's willing to to do things that I wasn't. So that gives him that gives him more options. It means it's going to be if I'm going to win the game, it'll be a it'll be a much harder hill to climb for me than for somebody that has no problem using all of the all of the tools. And and you know it was a different time these days. That wouldn't seem strange at all. These days, yeah. you know, um, the shelf life of an alliance. <laughs> is like is is shorter than the shelf life of you know a, a carton of an milk. <laughs> um, it's basically an episode. It's you know uh, the shelf life of alliance is a couple three days, um, whereas back then an alliance was it's, it you know you carved it in stone. It didn't go anywhere, right? Um, as far as like you know, I, I know that I can read I can read what the subtext of your question is. You know, <laughs> how do I feel about Rob? You know, what's what's the you know, what's the state of our, of our relationship or our friendship? Um, mm. You know, it's, 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 unfortunately, it's kind of complicated. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've honestly, I've gotten to the point now in my life, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older, you know, as, as I alluded to before, you know, I'm with old school comes, comes old age. <laughs> and that's, you know, and I'm, I'm getting close to 60 now. And, and I've really, you know, I think you know it's not cliched that what the older you get if things are going right you get what you get wiser and you realize you know you learn things about life and and one thing i've learned is that it's just it makes no sense to hold on to negativity or grudges that's just it, it's a it's it that's just it it's way too much work it takes too much energy and it's you know life and the world is 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 such a more pleasant experience if you can just be positive and love people. And I would, you know, I look forward to the day that 
you know, the next time I might see Rob, because you know, we don't see each other very frequently. I don't do a ton of the charity events like I used to do before because I'm just really busy in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Before COVID, I would do maybe one or two a year. Um, and and so I don't have the opportunity. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to see Rob in years at this point, several years. Do you know when the last time you guys saw each it other would, was? It would have been, been Hearts of Reality maybe like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, maybe it was a while ago. Right. And, um, and at that point, yeah, I mean, we got along fine. We, we, you know, I saw him, we had an opportunity just to, just to hang out the two of us. We asked each other how our families were. We, we caught up and then we hung out for those few days. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like the old days where we were like thick as thieves and super close friends, but it was a good start. It didn't go, you know, it, I don't think it went as, I think that there's still, there's, there's still more ground to be covered. Um, and I, and I genuinely look forward to the day, um, where we can have some FaceTime together and we can, and we can talk, we, we can just, you know, he can tell me like, you know, in all honesty, like what, how has he felt over all of this stuff? How does he feel now? We can have that one-on-one kind of decompression debriefing time over you know everything that's happened for the last like 16 years um mm-hmm. because i think that enough time has passed and both of us now you know he's before before all this happened he was a kid you know when all that shit went down he was basically he was old enough to know better but he was a big kid um not as mm-hmm. not nearly as mature probably as his as his years as he was you know old but he was kind mm-hmm. of a big kid and since then He's gotten married. He's got what four daughters, four um, daughters yeah. and and that's you know I'm I'll bet you that he's probably had a lot of time to get wiser and to reflect on things. And I think that now I would relish the opportunity for us at our age, me at almost sixty, him at he must be he must be getting closer to fifty. I would think he's probably in his forties for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we would have a really it would probably be a wonderful conversation. It would probably bring us a lot closer than we've been. Um, you know, it's, I was on a, I was on T-Bird's podcast recently and she, she really wanted to be the kind of the instrument. She, she, she told me, she says, you know, I know that you haven't had, you guys haven't resolved all your issues. She says, I talked to Rob and he told me that he would love to talk to you and, and have a phone call. And, and she, she wanted to be the one that would basically, bring us back together as it were but i didn't call i did after that podcast i didn't call rob because i don't want to have that conversation after all these years i don't want to have it over the phone right i'd like i'd I'd like to i'd like to be able to look him in the eyes and for him to look me in the eyes and for us to to leave nothing unsaid just Mm -hmm. to air everything out put it all on barf it all out on the table sort it all out and hug it out walk away you know, hopefully friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, that would be a wonderful thing, but, um, that's gotta happen on, on my terms, which is, it's gotta be like human beings, like, you know, face to face, not, not over, not over a phone line. So I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, I, I think it's going to happen one day. Um, maybe after COVID's over, mm-hmm. we can, you know, we can get together. We'll, we'll be at a charity event together and, you know, but, but, you know, that's again, my answers are all so long winded, but 
Um, you know, the short of it is I have no beef with, with Rob. It's that just takes too much energy. Um, there's a reason we were good friends before all that happened and we could be, we could be, we could be friends again. Mm -hmm. So, well, Lex, I'm glad to hear you say that you'd be willing to talk to him because we have a surprise for the last hour and a half. We've had someone patiently waiting in the waiting room here. Horse shit. Welcome Boston Rob to the stream. No. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Horse shit. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but you know, it's like, it's like life is just, life is way, way, way too short to sweat all that kind of, yeah. all that shit. It's just not, it's not worth it. And, you know, frankly, we, you know, we were both lucky enough to have a really, really singularly unique and just mind-blowing experience. And so we understand each other in ways that most other people wouldn't. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's better better to, you know, leverage and, and make the most out of that relationship and be friendly rather than sit there and stew about something that happened mm -hmm. a million fucking years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's cool to hear that you've uh, sort of moved past it. I'm sure he has too. Kathy was actually our most recent guest on the podcast. We talked to her a week How ago. How's she doing? She's doing fantastic. Yes, yeah, she's doing good. Uh, love yeah. my Kathy. <laughs> she's doing great. Um, we asked her the same question. Seems like she's kind of uh, moved past it all. I know she's a little geographically closer, so it's a little bit easier for right. her to um, um, sort of yeah. meet face to face with him. But um, yeah. Uh, well, cool. That was uh that was a fun hour and a half. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it's always thank a pleasure. You. you you guys made this really fun and just casual and comfortable, like just having having a chat. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it, um, guys watching. Be sure to uh, like the video if you like us talking to uh, Lex. Uh, subscribe because we got some cool uh, some other interviews coming up leading up to season forty one. The the, the horror movie monster season as Jeff seems to be uh, promoting it. I don't it know what the heck's going on with that. We need to talk about that soon. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I'm just going to say, I mean, to all the fans out there, everybody watching, thank you guys so much. You know, if it wasn't for y'all, hey, we'd have nothing to talk about here, and I wouldn't have been able to do what I got to do. So love all of you guys. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. We lost 